You're listening to the Monica Cade Podcast, a conscious approach to all things health and lifestyle, empowering you to be your best self in each moment. Because the truth is, that's all we ever have. From conscious lifestyle tips that'll help you make better choices in all areas of your life, through to interviews with game-changing entrepreneurs, creative minds, and thought leaders. These conversations move me. They're changing the world, and I hope they impact yours. So, without further ado, let's dive into this week's conversation. Hello, and welcome to episode 114 of the Monica Cade podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with Chase Jarvis. This guy is an absolute legend, and let me tell you why. Aside from being a well-renowned photographer, founder and CEO of Creative Live, an online education platform that broadcasts live classes to an international audience on art, photography, design, marketing, and so much more, he also hosts the Chase Jarvis Live Show, and he's authored a handful of books, his most recent creative calling, which we will be talking about today. But the reason I wanted to get Chase on the show was because I was super impressed by his take on creativity and his philosophy around being creative, which is giving of ourselves freely, adding value and expecting nothing in return. Super powerful and knowing that is a real game changer. So let's not wait a moment more and welcome him to the conversation. Hello, Chase. Welcome. (laughs) Monica, thanks for having me on the show. It's a treat to be here. Yeah, pleasure. So I thought we could give our listeners a bit of background uh, before you became a photographer. Your path to becoming a photographer wasn't quite linear. And I'd love for you to share your story in a snapshot as to, you know, all the things that you were doing before you were doing what your true love is. Uh, Well, hopefully this is a uh, I won't take you through every every yeah. <laughs> uh, every, every turn and tumble but I think maybe I'll I'll start off by saying I think this is a thing that's not really widely shared in culture that you know you look at people who are who are living their truest highest calling and you look at people who uh, look like they have found success and fulfillment and what we're constantly doing is comparing our grimy lives where we just got a parking ticket and you know we're late for school or work and all these little details of everyday living and when we're constantly comparing you know our circuitous path whether it's you know through any one day or through a career or a number of careers uh we're comparing that all the time with people who seem to have it figured out and what i do in this book and in part through my own experience and, and and share all of my ups and downs. But I also have deconstructed the lives of the most successful and fulfilled people in our culture, people that I'm lucky enough to call friends or peers or mentors, people like Richard Branson and Brene Brown and Tim Ferriss, Arian Huffington, and the list is, is broad and deep. Uh, the cool thing is we are all in this together. It's, it's, there is certainly a disparity of opportunity, but everyone's story is non-linear. And more often, we're sold this belief that it's linear. And so we feel disconnected from our own journeys and from you know, a, a potential successful future or a fulfilled future. And so I'll start by saying, like, wherever you are right now, that's where you're supposed to be. And you know, it's my hope that through our conversation today and through reading Creative Calling, a new book, that you can get a little bit more, um, a little bit more oriented and also not panic at the place you're in right now. And my story is no different, right? I, I 
um, I'll take you back to second grade or as, as you say, uh, down in Oz, I think it's you call it grade two or level two, or I don't know what you call it, but, um, grade two, grade two um, my grade two teacher, Miss Kelly, I overheard her tell my parents that I was, you know, I, I basically it was an ice cream social at my elementary school and I was out getting ice cream while the parents are in a parent teacher conference. And I walked in on my, my teacher telling my parents that I was so much better at sports than I was at art. And at that time I had just done my first film. I mean, I was eight to be clear. I was eight <laughs> years old. You know, I had a little stand-up comedy routine and, and I performed magic tricks and I had a comic strip that I published every week for to all my classmates. And I consider myself a pretty creative kid, but what we come to find out is that all kids are creative and this is something that's trained out of us, but put a pin in that for a second. And, and I was just, I was told that I was good at sports. And so that's what I ran and did. And, and I was also led to believe that creativity was less, somehow less useful. Um, now, fast forward, I, it, you know, Miss Kelly was right. I was a good athlete. And so it served me well. I got a soccer scholarship uh, to college and I played on the U- United States Olympic development team. And all those things were very um, helpful, but I truly distanced myself from my creative instincts and and I bought into a myth or a lie that says that those things were whimsical or impractical or maybe even naive to pursue. And in short, I did what everybody else wanted for me. I, you know, then started pursuing a career in professional soccer and medical school. And I was even getting a PhD in philosophy, all these things that were very well respected culturally, but that didn't actually represent who I was inside. And you know, by the time I was able to sort of grasp that I was starting to live everybody else's dream, something horrible happened. And that was my grandfather dropped out of a heart attack and I was, I uh, was given his cameras. Mm-hmm. And so there was this 10 year gap between what I was doing to fulfill everybody else's belief in me and obligations that I, they had or the lives that the script that they had written for me. And in the moment, a, a terrible moment of my grandfather's passing, which was obviously really traumatic, but the, again, there's the silver lining that I, I don't know why I was connected to photography. I think it's because my parents and my my grandfather had always, you know, I'd grown up with them taking photos of me. And so it was always a curiosity. And lo and behold, like I found this connection and I went off to walk the earth or to, you know, as you all do sort of go on a gap year mm. with my then girlfriend now, now wife Kate and, and taught myself how to be a photographer. And my life was changed from that day forward, not just because of, you know, finding something creative to do with my life, but specifically because I was for the first time I understood that culture and all these people around us to, they want the very best for us, but they don't actually have the understanding or the skills to steer us in a way that's true to our heart and our aspirations. So mine was a circuitous path. And I think all of ours is, and wherever you are listening to this right now and, or, you know, in your car driving or running down the the boardwalk or wherever, there's probably some gap between where you are right now and where you want to be. And what I've discovered is that there's a way to get there and it's not something where we're taught in culture, but it's what I put into the book. And if I feel like if I, I, I could do it, I, I really let live the dreams of everybody else for a long time. And if I, I can do it, 
get a hundred thousand dollars in debt on student loans, go 10 years out of my way and, you know, 10 years worth of doing everything everybody else wants mm-hmm. that anything is recoverable. Yes, that is very powerful. And I feel like it's something that often we can beat ourselves up about because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I should be here and, and why am I not there? And I've just taken this massive detour in my life. And what I have noticed in, you know, what, whether it's I've listened to your podcast or in your book, you also talk about how none of that time is wasted, that, you know, whatever you were doing in that time, there was some purpose to it. So, so well said. Yeah. Can I comment on that for a second, Monica? I think, yeah. I'm glad that you. I'm glad that you uh, you flagged that because it's true, and we do beat ourselves up over this. And that's sort of like, well, first of all, when I set out to write this book, I I read so many books on personal development and fulfillment, and even business books about how to build startups and find success. And and in doing so, they always say start with perfect thing. A and then add perfect elements B, C, and D, and then you're going to get this nice, perfect life. Mm. And I just, it doesn't resonate with me because none of that looks like the messy life that I have. And so, whoever's listening right now, like, I want you to know that everything that you've had to endure or the mistakes you've made, they add up to something magical and very individual. And that very thing that made you feel like you were weird as a kid or that you've screwed up as an adult, like those are the things that are going to go into your next big thing. Those are the most important things because they define our character. They help shape, again, these are the good things and the bad things, the death of people that we, that are very close to us is, you know, one of the things that shaped me. And, you know, for you, maybe it's the birth of a child. It doesn't always have to be negative, but these are the things that we are either ashamed of or worry got us off course And yet that's the very material that makes us unique and special. And it really is understanding what you want for yourself and starting to pay attention to these things you've been taught to ignore, namely our intuition and what brought us joy and pleasure as a young person. And what is the dream that we can have? Because we're taught largely, you know, not to dream. And when we imagine what's possible for ourselves, our parents and career counselors and and people who love us very much, they do a very good job of putting constraints on what's possible for this one precious life. And I'm here to tell you that if I have seen a pattern in my own life, and probably more importantly, in the lives of many of the most successful people in the world, that there was not a linear path. Everyone got off track several times. And it was this resiliency and a willingness and a, a, the skill, the practice of listening to what it is you really want to be doing. And then this is an important part, creating that for yourself. You don't find the the most successful and fulfilled people in the world. That didn't just happen. They went about it with a plan, with a strategy, and they created that for themselves. And we can argue about the different levels of privilege and it would be naive to ignore that that exists. But across the board, regardless of socioeconomic status, background, orientation, gender, the people who have tapped into this amazing ability to discover why they were put here, what their purpose is, and then have gone to achieve it. They've done so with the plan. They've created that outcome. And that's the way that I want to talk about creativity, not just not just art and drawing and, and whatnot. Those are certainly very creative acts. But I want us to start to understand that creativity with a capital C is much more, much broader and, and that it's a it's a skill 
I'm sorry, it's a habit. It's the way of operating, not some skill that you were given. And it's a way of looking at the world. It's a, it's a habit more than anything else. And you can have that. It's available to you right now today. There's so many great points that you've noted there. And I'll start with one. I feel like, and this is what I really loved about your take on creativity. Like you're really bringing it back to the individual and reminding them that it's their dream or that creative whisper inside them is speaking to them and no one else can see that. Like I can't see yours and you can't see mine. We can share them, but uh, only we can really truly see that vision from the inside. And that's why I feel like, like you're saying, the people close to us in our lives, they do have the best intentions for us, but sometimes it's like you've got to close your eyes to them. It's like, you know, those horses, how they have those blinkers on their eyes. Uh, yeah, those things are very effective for horses. I wish we had them for humans. <laughs> yeah. And so I feel like that's a really important aspect of when starting out on our dream. I know there's like conversation where people say, tell everyone about your dream. And I don't know, for me, I feel like that can be a distraction. I feel like if it's something you really want to do, then listen to that, you know, creative calling and take the steps like you're saying to move yourself towards that. Yeah. yeah kind of, I think, I think you've nailed it. And it's, that's what's perplexing about the advice that we get from so many people. And we're taught to, to listen to those people because they're, our senior and they have experience or they care deeply about us or they know us or all these sort of casual ways of talking about it. And that, that, that is, I don't want to say that's not at all relevant, mm. but we're just taught to ignore the most powerful thing in our sort of in our two, two of the most powerful things that we are uh, born with as humans. And one is our intuition. And, you know, think about what happened, what has happened in anyone who's listening's past, in your past, when you went against your intuition, it always came back to bite you. And then you know, the next obvious question was, how do you know your intuition? Well, I'm telling you, you can get good at listening to it. Um, and that's, you know, there's a lot of detail in the book about that. But the second thing is that we're also taught to ignore our creative faculties. Like, Again, we're taught that creativity is popsicle sticks and pipe cleaners and glue when we're in fourth grade. We're taught that creativity equals art. And yes, it's true that art is incredibly valuable and that it is a subset of creativity, but it's not creativity. It's not everything. Hmm. Again, creativity is a way of operating. And the book sort of operates under three basic premises. One is that every single person is creative. For anyone out there who's listening and saying, well, I'm not really creative. No, you are. You've just been told that you're not. Because creativity is inside of every person. It's what got you to where you are right now. You created the very day that you're living in right now. You created maybe your family. You created the, the circumstances that you have right now around your job. You've created or co-created so many, basically every aspect of your life. And yet, Again, we're taught that you're not creative because you can't draw. So it's really important to know that everyone's creative. That's thing one. And if you have any doubts about it, just ask a grade one class, who wants to come to the front of the room and draw me a picture? How many hands go up? Like literally every single hand goes up every time because creativity is something that is innate and it's trained out of us. Now, we can reclaim that. And that's the thing that I want people to know. Thing two, if one, everyone's creative. Thing two is that creativity, like anything, is a muscle. 
And the more you use it, and Maya Angelou said it best, creativity is an infinite resource. The more you use, the more you have. So if you can think about it as building a muscle, then it starts to make a little bit more sense. Thing three, the third part of my argument is it's literally only through creating and acknowledging that you're creating in small daily ways. So, you know, yes, you know, building a family, making a meal, playing the guitar, coding, whatever you're doing at work, all those small daily creative acts. It's only through doing those that you actually understand that you can create with a capital C, create the living and the life that you want for yourself. It's just creativity at a different scale. And I love that because it's a very inclusive, uh, I guess, definition. But also not in a, not in a sort of Pollyanna way. Like it, first of all, it's it, if you just draw a bigger circle on creativity, you start to understand that. Wait a minute, yeah, I did. You know, I do have agency. I did choose to be here. Right? I did choose this job. I chose this partner. I, ch- you know, and it's when you start to realize that you're creating. You know, it's the, that same creativity that was involved in deciding what you were going to make for your meal. You can either just make the thing that's right in front of you, which is fine. But would you want to do that same thing with your life? Just make the life that's right in front of you? Or do you want to seek and you want to understand and you want to explore and, and create meaning and value? Because mm-hmm. if you want to do all those other things, that is a muscle that you're going to need to strengthen. So I feel like the other part to this, which you talk really well about, is that I feel like some people will listen to this and they'll go, okay, I I know what I want to do or I want to try this creative expression of myself, but I want this outcome. And I feel like that's where you also mentioned that you're not there to create for that particular outcome. Like sure, there is going to be an outcome when we express ourselves creatively, but that's not the ultimate goal. Like it's to purely just express this energy into our existence. Would you like to talk a little bit on that? Sure. Happy to. I think that that is a real, like being married to the outcome of something is natural Mm. when you see end results everywhere around you. But just like speaking of everything around you, like look around wherever you are listening to this right now, like literally everything around you was created. Everything. The park bench that you just jogged past, the car that you're sitting in, the headphones you're wearing, um, the experience you just had at the store, the or at the restaurant, or all of those things were created. And yet we don't talk about creating those things. We don't talk about the fact that the flying car was a drawing in a Jetsons cartoon. Now it's actually happening. <laughs> you know, it's like that all of these things, they were imperfect versions of themselves at one point or another. The chair was a was not the chair. The, the original ambition for the chair that, that you're sitting in looked very, very much different than the one that you're sitting in right now. And that this creative process rather than end result is what we need to love. We need to love the act that we can create anything and that we're not going to create the thing straight out of, there's a, there's a bit in the book. It talks about how wildly talented so many of the top creators are like Lady Gaga, for example, most people that I know that want to um, be able to sing or play the piano, they want to sound or look like Lady Gaga on day one. But you start to realize that, you know, she's got 50,000 hours playing the piano or 10,000 hours of singing or, you know, whatever the thing is. And, and that it's this, this process of creating and this habit 
as I've said, of looking at all of your upper, uh, every, every act in your life as a potentially creative one, that if you can start to fall in love with the process, the results happen. And, and again, if you just deconstruct these lives of, you know, your, the people that you look up to, you start to understand that, that it was created and they set out with a plan. It wasn't, they didn't start from day one knowing exactly what they wanted to be. And they didn't start off in perfection. They started out like a floundering half measure that didn't go well. And, you know, if you start to look at that as a pattern and you realize that it's only through repetition and through actually having a vision for yourself and a plan that you can get anywhere, things start to make a lot more sense. And I think in, in our culture, we've been sold uh, the, the myth of a, of, a, of a map. We're sold that if you, you know, go to this school and get these grades, and then you go along this path right here, whether it's in school or career, that you're going to end up here and you'll have this outcome and this set of friends. And, we, you know, we see a red dot, you're here, a bunch of dotted lines, and then and then a red X where you, you get to where you're going. And that's what we've all bought into, and especially what our parents and our career counselors and our bosses and and even our partners and and lovers and um, spouses, that they, they, they sell us a map because it's convenient to talk about. But I don't know anyone whose map has ever been accurate. I don't know anyone who ever started on day one and then they get to day 10,000 in their life and the last 10,000 days look just like the map that they were sold. Mm. And yet we keep perpetuating that. What I advocate for, and I think is in line with your sort of original question about the process is what we really have is we have a compass. And the difference between a map and a compass is obvious. A map you can look at, you've got the whole journey laid out there. And as I just shared, it's not something that actually happens. But a compass, this is what we're all given. We all know something feels good or something feels less good. I'm not talking about less good as in you're doing hard work. I'm talking about like, these are not my people. or This is not what I want to do with my time or my job or whatever. And if you can start to attune to a compass rather than a map, this, this compass, and if you look at the, the, the true north and your compass is sort of this alignment, your intuition, understanding and knowing what you're supposed to be doing and get good at listening to that, that is the best known guide in the world, this sort of head and heart alignment. And again, we're not, we're not really taught to do that. We're taught that following your intuition maybe is naive or pursuing a... Uh, what you love is is stupid or you're you know they, there's the myth of the starving artist or there's all these terrible you know uh, ideas in pop culture that try and get us off of these ideas and for good reason because there was a time in the previous 50 75 years that the jobs and the schooling that we were sort of forced to do were very much in line with what it took to work at a factory like literally a factory, right? And think about the school system. It puts you in one end, you move through in the conveyor belt along with all the other students, you learn the same things at the same time. It is literally modeled after a factory. And then when you get out of school, you have a limited set of skills and they teach you to do a very narrow subset of things and you look exactly like your peers. And yet we have a world and a universe and optionality that is wildly diverse we can virtually be anything and yet we're not really shown that path and it's thought to be naive or whimsical so i'm here to tell you that your compass is the most valuable thing and honing the skill of listening to what it is you really want 
and then taking those steps, those small imperfect steps in the general direction, being on your path is such a powerful feeling. And if the cool thing is that everyone has felt this at one point, maybe it wasn't sustained. Maybe it was just for a season of your life or a year or that one part of school or that summer where everything felt effortless. That is what it can be like if you're living your true calling. If you if you know what you're supposed to be doing, if you spent the time to try and figure that out and you've put yourself on the path, that doesn't mean life's going to be easy. Mm. I call it effortless hard work where the work that you do, you're willing to put it in because it's disproportionately paying off and connecting you better than anything else to your life and this one precious existence that we've got. That's so beautifully said. What would you say in the sense of because I feel like there's also a particular mindset that you need to bring to the table. I feel like, like you said, it doesn't mean that doing what you love is going to be easy. It still requires you to put in the effort, but it's, I guess, the joy that comes with that. I know in my experience, like even having this podcast, there are are parts that, you know, I need to prepare for and things like that. I enjoy the process, but I'm still putting in the steps in order to create an episode, for example. Do you feel that we, our society is a bit, I want instant results or it's, it's too hard type mindset. Yeah. I think mindsets are as myriad as personalities, mm. but I think the, the part that is consistent is that we are often led to believe that our mindset is a condition that we have to accept. Mm. And what I'm, you know, what I've learned from my own successes and huge public failures and from the lives of the most fulfilled and successful people, that mindset is absolutely under your control. And the thing that's in your skull is a multi-hundred million year old or or multi-million year old organ. And it's not there to keep you happy and fulfilled. It's there to keep you alive. Mm. And it's busy surveying the horizon for saber-toothed tigers which it was very good at doing for the previous, you know, million plus years. But the reality is there are no saber-toothed tigers anymore. And most of the, you know, maybe there are uh, things that can do harm to you. But if you're listening to this show right now, I'm going to assume you're probably living in, you know, a, a modest or better means in a world where you can affect the outcome and where you're not getting, you're, you're literally not under threat from a saber-toothed tiger. Mm-hmm. And your brain biologically is looking for all these things that are wrong. There's a negativity bias. There's like, and these are, these are all, you know, chemistry in our body that tells us to, to be scared. And we start to think of the number of likes that we get or don't get on our Instagram post or what our boss said about our last project or whatever. We start to see those as a saber-toothed tiger and it causes us to be fearful and unfulfilled and disconnected and all these these things that biology is trying to do to keep you paranoid and alive and that we don't have that anymore that our biology creates it that tells you that mindset is is it's understandable to see why we often orient toward the negative and that why the people who love us are telling us the most generic average things to do with their life because they don't want to see us incur risk. And it is thought to be risky to pursue what you love. But I'm here to tell you that now it's the riskiest time in the history of the world to pursue what was thought to be safe. Mm. And, and if you can train your mindset 
to understand what's really at stake and that you're going to have to disappoint people that love you and that you love along the way of choosing your adventure in this one precious life, life all of a sudden becomes richer. And especially if you start to get good at articulating this, the people that you love will start to, you know, support what you do rather than resist it. And when you're in line with what you're supposed to be doing, and it seems like the world just starts happening for you rather than to you. And that's a very powerful experience. Super powerful. And I feel like that ties back into what you were saying about it being effortless because you're moving from a different space and then naturally these things start gravitating towards you. Yeah. And I don't like the, the people who are struggling right now to see, to see what's possible or to live in a growth mindset, or what I call the creative mindset where, you know, that you believe that you have an opportunity to impact the outcome of your life and you're willing to take the action. Like, that mindset it's okay if you don't have that right now that's part of the gap between where you are and where you want to be and it's again it goes back to being a muscle and being a habit and you this this million-year-old organ that we've got in our skull you can actually program it to work for you rather than against you you can program it to find happiness and joy and you can program it to help you listen to your intuition and you know, the, the aggregate of those things and intuition and doing what you're supposed to be doing and following your passion and, um, and being okay with being imperfect and that there's no straight line and you're following a compass rather than a map. If you can start to wrap your mind around that stuff and put it to work for you, that, that is what the most successful and fulfilled people in our culture have done. Absolutely spot on. I, I totally agree with you. (laughs) Well, and, and you know, in writing writing the book, like to me, it's like okay, yeah, but how? Like how? Yeah. How did Richard Branson? How has he created more than four hundred companies and been you know have created more billion dollar businesses than any entrepreneur on the planet? And you know, Sir Richard is a friend. He's an investor in in Creative Live. Uh, he's a personal mentor, and I've talked to him about this. And there's what what labels you place might differ, but it turns out that you know, in, in Sir Richard's successes and failures in mine and, and everyone who I could, could sort of do research on as a part of my journey as a creator and an entrepreneur is that there's literally a repeatable pattern. And so that's the structure of the book. It's got its four parts, basically. Um, I, D, E, A, I for imagine, D for design, E for execute, and A for amplify. And what imagine means is we're largely, we've lost our imagination. We, we are accepting the program that our teachers and parents told us we could be one of five jobs. But the reality is you're going to be able to have a career if you're 20 right now. The career that you're probably going to have when you're 30 likely doesn't even exist, right? And it's going to come into existence. So start to imagine what's possible. And, you know, there's a million other ways to think about imagination that we've been you know, taught not to do. And the book tells you how to do it. The second one is execute or sorry, this um, design. The third, second one is design. Yeah. I lost my ability to spell a four letter word. here. <laughs> um, is, is to design, you know, like again, Sir Richard, he like, okay, how do you go from having an idea to creating an, an uh, version airlines to actually doing it? Well, he created a plan. You know, he didn't just like, like in the same way you'd approach a house, like you don't just start hammering boards together, like you design, right? And everything around you was designed, the car, the furniture, the headphones, the experience that you had at the restaurant. So 
you make a plan. And the third part, E, is execute. And that's the part that a lot of people don't like to hear about, which is you actually have to do the work. But if you start to look at that work with a certain lens on it and approach it as a, a habit and a way of being in the world and a series of behaviors that you can modify, then all of a sudden the execution becomes really enjoyable and, and, and very doable. And then the last part, which is wildly misunderstood, is what I call amplify. And that is, we all believe that all these, um, while the ideas and what our passions are and our experiences in life are very, very individual, that we can't actually succeed. In fact, no one has succeeded as an individual. It's all community. We are social animals. And whether we like it or not, we need help to find our success, to create, rather, our success. And and a certain amount of time and energy has to go into creating the community that you're going to join to learn from other people who are interested in what you're interested in and to create a community around your future work, whether that's inside of a big company or you're going to create a community around your work as an independent artist or as an entrepreneur. It's all sort of community. And that, that idea system, I-D-E-A, is what every success is, is based on. You can call it different things and you, you can say you spent more time in one area than the other, but by thinking of it as the similar, sim, simple four-step formula, whether you're going to build, make a cake or build a business or design your life, like that's literally how it happens. It's interesting. I think we were so in sync then as I, my next question prior to you sharing the acronym was going to be to ask you about that. So synergy people I find like when you are in your flow like naturally it's kind of like what we were talking about before you start connecting with like-minded people you know different opportunities your creative muscle grows and yeah and one other thing that I really love that you talk about is when people are getting started in particular with an aspect of their creativity this was just on one of your um, YouTube into conversations that you've made like 500 YouTube videos. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, you were just talking about like getting out there and doing it. So yes, great. Learn what you need to learn, but then get out there and actually take action rather than just Mm -hmm. staying in the, Oh, I don't know if I can do this phase. Sure. There's so much like, I think that's another thing that is, it's a myth that we buy into in our culture that the rational mind is this, infallible brilliant thing that just going to help is so successful at directing us from one thing to another but what you find out about the rational mind is it's really slow it's imperfect it's laden with bias and it it wants to do nothing it wants to sit around and think Mm. and what i know from from you know deconstructing the lives of the, the, the people that we're talking about that it's it's action over intellect that actually paves the way towards any success in any endeavor. And it's these small imperfect actions. Like there is no straight line. It's like a zig and a zag, but it's genuinely and generally headed in the right direction. That's what actually feels like progress. And that's where you learn along the way. Because if you're just sitting at home on the couch trying to make the next most perfect decision, which frankly speaking is a lot of people right now are going like, oh, that's me. And it's okay. Like, that's part of what I want to go back to what we opened with. Like, hey, all these things, these are typical trappings of the, the perplexed human. We, we get, these, get ourselves in these knots. And, and, and the, one of the biggest ones, you know, is aside from ignoring our creativity, is, is to sit, sit there and think 
about what we need to do rather than experimenting and taking small and perfect steps. Absolutely right. Now, I know we are running out of time. Do you have a bit of time for me to ask you a couple more questions or? If they're rapid fire, I'll take them. All right. How about I just ask you one? They're signature questions that I ask at the end of my, to all my guests, but I'll just ask you one. Is there a piece of wisdom that you've acquired through self-experience or that someone's passed down to you that you live by today? Oh man. I love these. I'm both wary of them and I love sort of nuggets of of wisdom. Most of it boils down to uh, that action aspect that we were just talking about. And you know, in some ways, there's a an old a phrase that that goes like this. It goes, whether you you think you can or you think you can't, you're right. Mm-hmm. And there's a mindset, and it's this this dynamic fusion of mindset and action that I think it's the most potent you know combination of things. When I think about mindset, I think about that is a differentiator between you know, achieving your goals and not for most folks, it is, they haven't spent the time and energy being as clear as they can on their goals. And, you know, the most important words in the world are the ones that we say to ourselves. And that is something that regardless of what happens to us, we can control our response to that moment. And if you spend enough time honing your mindset, I'll just go back to the Elizabeth Gilbert conversation that you mentioned earlier. Mm. You know, another thing Liz said to me was, I I spend between four and six hours of my day working on my own mental health, mm. and then I'm a writer. Like, and and right now, there's someone saying, "Well, I have two kids and two jobs and a mortgage and all this stuff. So I don't have four to six hours." Yeah, but do you even take four to six minutes and work on your mental health or your mindset? Mm. Most people don't. Do you have a meditation practice? Do you know what you want in this world? Do you visualize yourself thinking about it? Do you override those? automatic negative biases that our biology ladens us with or do you feel like life happens to you and you're suffering because you're not in charge and and you know if you just start to look at the amount of time you put towards what i would say you know go back to your question is the most important thing is is mindset the reality is most people they aren't in charge of their mindset and that is an area where you know i was given this advice early on as a young athlete and it worked in sports and i started applying it to the rest of my life and lo and behold come to find out all the top performers have morning routines and they have you know visualization practices and meditation and mindfulness and whatever your practice is doesn't matter but just being able to be in charge of your mind is radically powerful you combine that with the action part deadly combination then you can truly achieve anything i like that deadly combination that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> awesome chase i know you've got to run so thank you so much for chatting and our listeners i will include all the links in the show notes in case you want to grab a copy of because it is absolutely worth a read thank you again so thank much you and, you know, I'm, I'm so happy and again i literally wrote creative calling because worked for two reasons. One, because creativity was wildly misunderstood. And when everyone starts to think of themselves as creative and that they have the power to create their life, that's a sort of a different framework. And then this other part, the calling part, which is we also, if we allow ourselves the freedom to, and I'm not saying be impractical, I'm saying quite the opposite, that this this dreaming and then the doing that accompanies the dreaming is literally the most practical thing you can do mm. is creating what you want in life. Like, 
that that this calling to do whatever it is we're supposed to do, we either know it or we know enough to follow that compass. Mm-hmm. And and I just had never seen that book out there in the world. There's a lot of books on creativity and there's a lot of books on personal development. And there just wasn't the book that when I've, again, sort of researched my own experiences and the experiences of, you know, lots of people that I've mentioned on the show already, there is this really simple, repeatable process and that's available to anyone today. And that is why I... I really loved it because no one else has said it. And, you know, I have a few other people in my life who I know that live from that space. And so when I come across someone else, I get so excited because I was like, no one's saying this and this, this is it. So grab a copy of the book, folks. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Monica. Congratulations on building a cool community and a thriving community. And I'm happy to be a part of it. I, I, I appreciate the invite. My pleasure. Thanks again. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Monica Cave podcast. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I loved recording it. I get so much out of these conversations and I really hope that you do too. Be sure to come hang out with me on Instagram at Monica Cade because that's where I continue the conversation and share other inspiring and empowering things. You can also find me at monicacade.com. Thanks again. Catch you next week.